I'll be reading from Psalms 34, 1 through 5. Singing for joy in the Lord of you righteous ones. Praise is becoming to the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Sing praises to him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the loving kindness of the Lord. Four. All right, there we go. We're good? All right, we're on. We're live. There was a, a billboard, actually, in Ennis, as I was going back and forth, that I, that I saw that said... Happy Thanksgiving, leftovers is for quitters. When I think about that, that's kind of, tis the season, that's how it works, right? Is Thanksgiving, part of Thanksgiving is, is sharing and the abundance of what we have and eating more than we should and, and part of that, just that, that great celebration. And it was, a, it was a great time. I know that for, for my family and my parents came over from Libya and we spent some time as a family and it was, it was just a, a refreshing time, a lot of uh, good memories that we're going to take with us. But there is, a, it, whenever Thanksgiving comes around, it gives us some time to think about what we're thankful for. And we're going to talk about more than that today. But I started looking, and the book of Colossians spends quite a bit of time talking about thankfulness. It talks about life, heresies, and thankfulness. And at first glance, we may look at that title and think, wait a minute, what does all that have to do? What is heresies and life and thankfulness? How on earth does that all come together. And we'll talk about that. But there's some pretty amazing stuff that comes out of Colossians that teaches us some, some very important concepts of being thankful. Um, going deeper than... than uh, it, I'll say it this way. This week helped deepen my understanding of what thankfulness is and why it is so important in our Christian walk. And so we're going to start. I'm going to give some background to Colossians, as it's a book that's part of one of those letters that Paul wrote from he was in prison, probably from, from Rome. And he writes and he sends this letter to this little church in, there in Colossae, probably written about 60 AD, so about 30 years after Jesus is executed, somewhere in that time frame. And the main reason is he, he writes it to help teach the church to follow Christ among other competing philosophies that are there. So in other words, Jesus and nothing else. Because it's so attractive sometimes to hear the message of Jesus and say, all right, that's great, but I would like to add this to it, but I would like to add that to it. Or, boy, there's Jesus, the message of Jesus would be so much better if I added this or that to it, which we'll get to. And, and Paul says, no, 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 that's not how it works. When you really get the message of Jesus, you don't need anything else. Just pursue that and be excited about that. The town of Colossae is, um, is a small town that was once a major center, and it was between two other towns that, were mu- that had become much, much larger. If we think about it in, this, in, this ter- in these terms, years ago, Bozeman was a tiny little cow town with not very many people in it. How many of you remember those days? Yeah, it's been three or four years now, right? And a lot has changed in the last three or four years, right? If you go back more than three or four years, even more so. And Missoula was something similar, this tiny logging town with smoke jumpers and that. But Butte was it, wasn't it? The big mine was there. Butte had the largest population because if you look on our, on our license plates in Montana, what's number one? 
Butte, that's right, because when that census was taken, Butte was far and away the largest. But now it's, uh, it's changed. His Missoula and Bozeman are much bigger financial centers than Butte is. Anybody here from Butte? Okay, my dad was a bulldog, so I can speak to that. But that's, it's changed a lot. Colossae is very similar. It was once a large trading center and has become a, very small, a much smaller, less important town during the time of Paul. The church was planted by a guy named Epaphras, it appears. If you look in um, chapter 1, verses 7 and 8 of Colossians, it says, You heard the word of Christ from Epaphras, who is one of your own. And, and this is an area that's near Ephesus, and we understand from reading Acts chapter 19 that Paul was in Ephesus for years, and people came from all over and heard the message of Jesus, and so maybe, maybe Epaphras heard the message of Paul, that Paul was preaching about Jesus in Ephesus, and then he went home and, and shared the message there. We don't know. But, or we don't know some, some of those details. But this is the one thing that, that really caught my attention. In chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Epaphras, who is one of you, and a servant of Christ Jesus sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. So Epaphras was going through life, and you see he works with Paul in different ministries. You see his, his name come up different times. But Paul shares here, he's praying for you constantly, that you stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. I want to look at Ephesians chapter 4. Go ahead and turn there for just a second. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. And Paul gives a description here of, of, um, of maturity and immaturity. He says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. So that's what happens when we're infants, spiritual infants. We get we can be convinced to do all sorts of stuff, go all sorts of different ways, and, and not remain courageous instead and strong. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And so what Paul is, is saying here is, think about it in terms of, of trees. I know that um, being out running around the, the, the woods and the plains here the last while trying to, to chase critters. There was a, a few days ago, got into uh, where it was cold and there was a lot of wind. And I watched the leaves and the snow being blown around all sorts of different ways and all sorts of different directions. Like the immaturity that Paul's talking about here. We're immature, we can get blown all sorts of different directions. But the trees that those leaves came off of were solid, and they moved some in the wind, but they were there, they were solid, they were not giving up. And that's what Epaphras is praying for these Colossians. I pray that these, these Colossians, the church there, that they become mature and fully assured, or, or comfortable in their own skin, confident, that they can walk through anything in life. That's his prayer. And so the question I asked, what is it in Colossians that jumps out over and over again that helps them to become fully mature and be this, uh, this group of people that is able to walk through anything in life spiritually. And the term that kept coming up over and over again was thanksgiving. There were others, but thanksgiving was one of them. Here is chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. Now, if Epaphras is praying for them to become mature, and they're not at this point in time, 
you can imagine that this prayer is not always easy for Epaphras. Because if he's working with this group of people that, that he's grown up with, people that, that are, he's one of them, and, and they have become Christians, there's, a, there's some, some times where he's going to wrestle here because they're, they're not fully mature and they're in process. And I can imagine Epaphras, as he hits his knees sometimes, is thinking, well, man, God, I, I'm thankful for these people because I see that they're, they're developing faith and they're developing love, but boy, they've got a ways to go. And sometimes I just don't want to pray for them. Sometimes I want to run. Sometimes I'm frustrated, all of that. But Epaphras continues to pray, and he says, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for you. You see that in Paul's letters over and over again, of people that he is, he's trying to influence. He says, I'm thankful for you in, in all the, the faith that you're demonstrating. He continues on here, and he says in, in chapter 1, verses 9, and then verse 12, down further down, We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will, through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Now, I notice during Thanksgiving, we tend to, as a population, as a society, think about the things that we're thankful for. And what Paul is doing here is encouraging them to remember not necessarily the things that they're thankful for only, but thankful for who they have become. They have become people that have gone from darkness into light and to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. And we talked about that here a few weeks ago. God's kingdom is not designed to be a country club for people that got everything together, but to be a hospital for sinners that come in. And it's amazing how when we commit our lives to Christ and give God time to be able to work, the change and transformation that can happen in our lives. And I think I shared here a while back, working at, at, at a teen camp for all these years, it's, I love it. Now, these teenagers that are, that are just deciding to follow Christ and wrestling through life and wrestling through that, that decision process, it's like those leaves that are, that are blown around and, and teen camp has a, a great opportunity to have an impact during that time. I got to participate in, in a um, Golden Age camp a few years ago for a few days. And that's for people that are 55 years and older. And I asked the question, how many of you are new Christians? One of the lessons I was given. And there, there was only a couple people there that had been Christians for less than 30 years. And something I noticed about that crew is that with, at high school, the spirit and the fruit of the spirit just appears in brief moments at times, it seems. But when people have given their life to Christ and dedicated that time over years, over decades... The fruit that comes out is amazing. And you had this group of of 100 people or so that were there that had been Christians for a long time sharing about how excited they were for the next life and how excited they were for influencing other people and this transformation change that had happened. And I imagine if you would have gone reversed back 30 years, 40 years to the people that were there at that camp, they would have told you, I was a different person 30 or 40 years ago. The things that I struggled with, the sins that I wrestled with, what I had to, what I put up with before I became a Christian was totally different. But God got a hold of me and I allowed His Spirit to change me into something totally different. And that's something to be thankful for. Paul is telling them, look, giving joy and thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share His inheritance of His holy people and the kingdom of light is we're a part of something that's really amazing and really exciting. 
it's not a what, it's, it's a who we are. It's something that, uh, that we continue to be transformed to look more like God. And we are a little piece of eternity. This eternal kingdom that starts now, and we are preparing as we walk through life together to live uh, with God in all eternity. That's something that Paul says, this is something you should be thankful for. Think about it, consider it. In chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, it says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you are taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. And so... You notice what he mentions here. He says, overflowing with thanks, thankfulness. That's something that kind of fits for our holiday season, isn't it? Overflowing with thankfulness. How many of you ate a plate that was overflowing, right? And then went back for another one after that, right? Overflowing with thankfulness. Because if we're overflowing with thankfulness, according to this verse right here, the things that depend on human traditions, elemental teachings, the spiritual forces, all of that kind of stuff, is not attractive because we understand what we have in Christ. We are excited about the blessings that he gives, and we don't have to chase after everything else. Think about it this way, and this, this analogy might not work for some, but if you have a pecan pie that is sitting there, how many of you like pecan pie? Oh, man, yeah, that's good stuff. We have huckleberry cheesecake. That's part of our holiday tradition. And, um, and some of us eat more of it than others. Okay? I will not confirm or deny or give names or any of that. But if there's a huckleberry cheesecake there or a pecan pie that is sitting there and then some Smarties over there. The Smarties, you know, I'll eat Smarties, but I won't eat them if there's a pecan pie that's sitting there. Okay? That's not attractive to me. Or... You think about it this way, if there's, turkey has been uh, um, the, the traditional Thanksgiving meal. you got this turkey that's been cooked and it's in great shape and it's been carved up and there's a slab of turkey that is right there. Or right here, there are some dried up meat sticks from the gas station. Man, now some of us might choose the dried up meat sticks. I mean, I'll eat meat sticks, but I won't if the turkey is right there. And that's the message, that's what Paul is saying here, is that with... You're overflowing with thankfulness. All the rest of this stuff does not appeal to you because you understand the great blessings that you have in following Jesus. Whatever those philosophies are, whatever those traditions are, whatever this world has to offer, none of it becomes attractive if you realize and you're thankful for what Jesus has given you. Hey, thankfulness is important here. Let's look at the next one. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, this is a passage we use a lot to talk about singing and, and why it's important to sing with heart. As Scripture tells us that here. But you notice bracket on either side of that, it says, Be thankful, giving thanks as you interact with each other, as you are called to peace. And so, something I've thought about is how important a peace is in, uh, in thankfulness. In that there is a, a universal principle if someone feels like they are without something and someone right over here has that something, 
it's hard for peace to exist. Think about it in terms of, of political uh, situations. If there's a country right here that is in need, that, that, that doesn't have a lot, and the country right next door has a lot, what happens? There's not peace. Oftentimes, the country without tries to take some of what the country that has does. Look at history. It's, it's full of that. Uh, that's in relationships, in churches, in, in work. That's, that's a universal principle. If we feel like we are missing out on something that somebody else has, then our tendency is to be jealous and to, to live without peace. But if we learn to say, all right, I'm really thankful for whatever I have, whatever I am, right now, and I'm really excited about that because God has blessed me in my life, then what happens is whatever the other person has right next to you, it doesn't matter that much because you've learned to be content, as Paul says, in any and every situation. There's a lot of examples we could walk through. Think about, uh, and we'll go through this story here a few weeks from now in the book of Luke, the story of, of Lazarus and the rich man. Lazarus is this poor guy that sits at the rich man's porch and doesn't have enough to eat. The rich man goes in and out and he's just fine, whatever. Can Lazarus... Can Lazarus... Be thankful in his situation where he was. Absolutely. Because he knew that eternity was great for him. For the rich man that didn't care about Lazarus, didn't feed him, didn't do anything, his future was not bright. His future was not better than the past. And so it's a matter of a decision that we make to say, I'm going to be thankful because that allows me to live in peace with the people around me. Here's another one. In verse chapter 4, verse 2, says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful, and thankful. Now, there's a, a lot of things that we can be devoted to. You think about Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, The disciples devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And they devoted themselves to those things. They wanted to know what God's message was. They wanted to, to be devoted to prayer. They wanted to, to be devoted to participating in the Lord's Supper together, to fellowship, to interacting. Those things they dedicated themselves to. It's not just a passing hobby, but it was something they devoted themselves to. Here, it says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And so I understand that to say, you know, he's telling them, you need to be devoted to these things here. And for our purposes, being devoted to being thankful. I don't know that I've thought about that in those terms before. If I did, I forgot about it. Because I remember reading this this week and thinking, whoa, wait a minute here, that's, that's important. Being devoted to being thankful I think as, as we walk through life, um, our tendency is uh, every society has, has things that we, we tend to focus on uh, more than others. I think as, as Christians here in America, uh, we talk about how uh, vitally important it is to, to watch our mouths and to say things that are, that are positive. And, and boy, you know, as a Christian, I'm called not to be one that uses foul language and that. You know, we understand that, okay? And, and if, if someone... Uh, if I said a nasty word here in front of you right now, several of you would talk to me afterwards, and rightly so, okay? That's right, Lori, that's you know, all of you, yeah, that's how it would work, okay? I'd get it from Lori. Lori, now clean your mouth up, Chris, right? Exactly, okay? So if there's rampant immorality in my life, someone's going to talk to me about that, right? That's how we operate, because we want to, you want love me enough to speak the truth in love and, and to, to help me walk through that and, and to repent and change. Something I think about and I wonder about, if the early Christians devoted themselves to being thankful, I wonder if it worked like that 
with that particular concept. Like if someone came in and said, oh man, I had a tough day, this happened, that happened. If there wasn't brothers and sisters came up and said, hey, wait a minute, you're not demonstrating thankfulness. You're not being devoted to thankfulness. Because I think for us, and maybe it's a society we live in, I think any one of us could grouse about all sorts of number of things, and, and I could do that, maybe even standing right here, and, and we might not even notice or, or worry about it too much. Do you see the point here? As I believe the early church, as it says that they devoted themselves to being thankful, then they held each other accountable and walked through life saying, hey brother, hey sister, make sure that you're thankful in your situation right now because people are watching. People are seeing this. And if you're not demonstrating thankfulness right now, then that could really be a discouragement for somebody else. Look, look be careful what you're doing. Be careful what you're demonstrating. Be careful the, the, uh, what you're showing to other people. And that, that made me think. Is, is thankfulness is, is bigger than maybe we consider it in, in our world. Let's, get, let's talk about this for a second. Okay? Thankfulness is not only a happy attitude that we demonstrate when things are going good. That's my tendency, left to myself, without choice and discipline, personal discipline, is that, yeah, I'm thankful for things when, when things go, when things are just going along smoothly and that's good and, and it's, it's right, that's fine. It's easy to be thankful during those times, isn't it? And thankfulness is not, or thanksgiving is not, an optional attitude for Christians. In other words, I cannot say, I'm a Christian, I follow Jesus, I want to do what Jesus wants me to do, and then have an ungrateful attitude and walk through life that way. It is just like having a mouth that is full of swear words all the time, or, or pursuing immorality, or whatever. Is Missing thankfulness in the Christian walk is devastating, it's impossible. Because that's something that the early church devoted themselves to, is this attitude of, of being thankful. But thanksgiving is this. It is a choice. It is something we have to decide that I'm going to be one who decides that I'm going to be thankful because God has put me in a situation that I'm in right now, whatever that may be, and I can choose to be thankful for where I'm at, what I have, who I am, and what God has given me at this point in time. It's a choice. And thanksgiving is a central attitude and quality of Christians in every aspect of life. Think about this. You imagine that Epaphras is thinking, oh man, I want these, these Christians, I'm wrestling in prayer for them because I want them to be mature. And I know that if they're going to be mature, one of the things that they have to understand is how to make the choice to be thankful in every circumstance in life, no matter what it may be, but to find ways to be thankful. And by doing so, maturity is going to start flowing out of them. Think about this, is that if I choose to, uh, to walk through life thinking and concerning myself with anxiety, frustration, negativity, all that sort of stuff on a regular basis, the type of person that I'm going to become 30 years from now is something I don't really want to think about. But if I make the choice that I'm going to be one that chooses to be thankful... And in every situation, somehow, some way, I'm going to make that choice. Then God's going to make me into something that's, uh, that's more than I can imagine. 
Thankfulness is also a powerful tool against apathy, negativity, sinful nature, heresy, traditionalism, etc., walking all the way down there. Think about this. Apathy means a lack of, of interest or concern. And how many of you have been apathetic at some time in your life? Where you just, no, oh, I don't care, whatever. <laughs> I'm just, I think this isn't worth it. This Christian walk isn't worth it. This is too hard. I'm just going to do my thing. We get apathetic that way. A great powerful tool against apathy is looking around and thinking about all the things right now that God is doing in my life and the lives of people around me. And it's hard to be apathetic when we're thankful. It's hard to be negative when we're thankful, right? How many of you have ever got into this cycle of thinking where it's just negative, negative, negative? Oh, man. Okay. Man, you guys are positive people, most positive people I've ever met in my life. Yeah, we get it, Okay. We get into this, this negative spiral where we go around and we're up, upset and, man, everything's negative, everything's bad, everything's that. When we choose to be thankful, what happens is Thanksgiving is this powerful weapon that cuts right to the heart of negativity and does not let it dwell in our hearts. Uh, think about uh, sinful nature. If, uh, if I'm struggling with a sinful nature and, and wrestling with sin and wanting to rush into sin... Or, or I'm looking around along the same lines, I'm thinking, man, materialism seems like a great philosophy of life, and I'm going to pursue that. I'm just going to pursue the stuff and leave God out and do whatever I want, all that kind of thing. That just looks so appealing right now. When we stop and give thanks for everything that we are, that's a powerful tool that helps put sinful nature and heresy philosophies that aren't of Christ that Colossians talks about into perspective. Or traditionalism, and he talks about this quite a bit in Colossians, is this wrestling with, hey, this is how we've done things. We can't change. God's in the future. God's ruling the future. And if we are going to be people that are thankful, then we understand that God has already conquered the future, and he's there, and our job is to to walk into it with excitement about how how, uh, things may look tomorrow. And, um, and and not hang on to the, the fear of, of how something may change, you know, whatever it may be. All of those things. Do you see what I want us to see and what I saw this week as I was looking through this is that Thanksgiving is not just this idea of, hey, you know, I'm going to be thankful. I know that I need to be thankful. But, but it is something that when we devote ourselves to that, it becomes a powerful tool of life change that brings us from immaturity to maturity. Do you see that from Colossians? And that's what Epaphras wanted for the Colossians, is for them to go on to, to be great, mature oaks of righteousness. There's a passage from Psalm 118 that I appreciate and I love. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And that's a great way to wake up in the mornings. I read the Psalms usually before I get out of bed. I read a Psalm just to set the, the, the tone for the day. And this is one that is powerful. Whenever you get to Psalm 118, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And I'll tell you some things that have been helpful for me in the last years of trying to to be more deliberate about being thankful and making that a central part of my life every day. Something I do usually once a week is I sit down and I write a list of three things. Victories, where God is working, and I see that where God working around in, in my life and lives around me. Challenges, ways that uh, life situations I'm not sure how to walk through um, and just things that I need to be aware of 
in, in my own life. And then things that I need to be thankful for. And, and I spent some time here a while back, just especially on the thankful side, writing down things that, that I'm thankful for. And it's easy to start with. I'm thankful for family. I'm thankful for food. Thankful for my house. Thankful for the, the, the church family. You know, all that stuff. We can go through that. All sorts of things. But once we get past those things that we, that it's easy to be thankful for, there's a whole lot of other things that were, are small things, not the typical stuff, that when we let our mind just wander in freedom and thinking about the great things that God has done for us, there's all sorts of other things can come to mind. Try it. It's a neat exercise, and it helps you remember just how much God is active in our lives all the time. Uh, there is a, something I've mentioned, and I encourage um, as many of you who would commit to doing this as, as in the church as possible. I think it's a great exercise. But once a week, I've been praying through the directory that we have. And uh, the list of, of people that are, that are part of the church, if your name's not in there yet, talk to Chelsea, the secretary. She'll get you in there. But it's really neat to be able to pray through the um, list of, of people that are part of the church every week. So you know that at least once a week, I'm praying for you. And, and we'll do that indefinitely. I think it's just a great spiritual exercise for me and uh, for the church uh, to, to do that. And, and it's, there's times where, uh, you know, this last week and, and uh, weeks before, leading up to Thanksgiving, one of the things that I, I prayed for is, is walking through that and, and thinking and praying through everybody and something that I'm thankful for, for everybody here, everybody that's a part of the church here. And, and there, there's a lot to be thankful for. For each one of you, and I'm I'm very grateful for you. Uh, there is a, just as there's a need for for people to be prayer warriors. I know that there's several of you ask me on a regular basis, what can I pray for for you? And I really am thankful for that. And I, I I hope that we do that for each other, and we think about how we can wrestle in prayer for each other. And maybe God's church today in the 21st century needs Thanksgiving warriors as well. <laughs> Those of us that go around and have the courage to share the great things that we're thankful for on a regular basis and help other people realize that. And if you have a heart that's, 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 uh, that's wired that way, I think of, you know, there's, um, maybe there's names that come to mind. I think of Lance. Whenever Lance comes up to me, he's got something that he's thankful for. He's excited about something. And I appreciate that so much because there's so much bad news, so much negativity, so much darkness in our world. It's so refreshing when we choose to be people of thanksgiving and we demonstrate that day in, day out. And we can start every day that way, saying, I'm going to live out the abundant life of Jesus. I'm going to take seriously this command of God to be people that are thankful. And I'm going to choose to be thankful today. And I'm going to spread that to everyone I come in contact with. Last thing, think about this. For all of us, who we become years from now is determined a whole lot by the choices you and I make right now. And if we make the choice today, and you walk out saying, all right, yeah, I, I like that Thanksgiving stuff, that's great, but my turkey's done, I'm going to go on with life and do my thing, then what can happen for any one of us is negativity can reign, apathy can reign, all sorts of other things in life seem appealing because, oh, look, they've got a bigger truck than I do, or whatever that may be. And we go through life without thanksgiving. And I think 30 or 40 years from now, however long God gives us life, I think the result 
will be pretty depressing of what we end up at that point in time. And if you and I wake up tomorrow morning and say, all right, I got this. I understand from Colossians what Paul is sharing with these people to go on to maturity, that Thanksgiving is a very important component of that. And I will wake up and I will say, you know, there's obstacles that I'm going to come through in life. There's all sorts of, of things that I may have that are heartaches today. But I choose to be thankful because I see that in the life of Jesus. I see that in the letters of Paul. I see that in the people that I know and love that are mature Christians. And I choose to be thankful today. And I'm going to spread that to whoever I can, however I can. I imagine, give us 30 or 40 years what that looks like and the amazing results that, that uh, come out in, in our lives and the way that God continues to transform us. And I pray that you and I, all of us, can be people that look more thankful and are more thankful and make the choice to do that every day. And that's a path that leads to maturity. If you have not become a Christian, you have not given your life to Jesus in repentance, faith, and baptism, then you can do that today. Um, elders, myself, there's one elder today and myself. We'll be waiting in the back to talk with you. If you just want to pray, whatever it is, then uh, we're excited to pray with you and to help you walk through whatever God is leading you through in life right now. If you'd like to become a Christian, again, head to the back. Let's stand and sing together.